Christ the King Sunday. So in Samuel, um, 2 Samuel 23, we hear about the last words of David. It's a sort of poetic rendition of some of the last words of David. Within the African context, as in many contexts, the last words of an aged, dying person are usually taken very seriously. Often it is a reminiscence of the person's past, lessons they've learned, advice for the future. And here, David takes stock of his life, his relationship with God, and his rule as king of Israel. In verse 1, it describes David as the oracle of the man whom God exalted, the anointed of, God's ja- of the God of Jacob, the favorite of the strong one of Israel. But he is also the son of Jesse, a simple young shepherd boy that God chose to be king of the great nation of Israel. And here we are reminded of the everlasting covenant between God and David that would be extended to David's descendants, hence the expectation for justice from the kings of Israel. And in the following verses, the writer gives a graphic description of the differences between two rulers, the godly and the ungodly, or maybe I should say the just and the unjust. The godly who rule justly with the fear of God are like the light of morning at sunrise on a cloudless morning, like the brightness after rain that brings the grass from the earth. The ungodly, on the other hand, are all like thorns that are thrown away, for they cannot be picked up with the hand. They are entirely consumed in fire on the spot. The preference is for the just and not the unjust. Now David did not always act justly or in a godly manner. David's past was not always pleasing to the Lord. He was not always the model citizen who radiated like the sun on a cloudless day. No, David's image would always be tainted by his murderous affair with Bathsheba and the complacency with which he handled the rape of his daughter Tamar by his son Amnon. These incidents would hurt David and would nearly end his reign in shame. Perhaps it is because of these reasons that David paints a picture of what justice should look like, or more specifically, what his house should be with God. It is probably why on his deathbed, he challenges the Israelites to a better way of being as people who fear God and who seek to maintain an everlasting covenant with God. David's life is a vista of many possibilities of a just world, where the fear of God enables justice and dignity for all. How is a just world possible? How might we ensure that our homes, churches, and nations live in the fear of God? To what extent can we overcome the mistakes of our past and to envisage and live out a better future? Perhaps we can imagine the sun on a cloudless day in Scotland and imagine the beauty of justice for all.
Our next reading was in Revelation and carried the theme of a town crier who announces the kingdom of Jesus Christ. It is a proclamation of Christ as king and is the peak of our passages for this Sunday's reflection on Christ as the eternal king. While we read the book of Revelation as a, a book that considers what will happen in the future, we cannot miss the uniqueness of these verses for the present. For not only does the writer refer to historical facts, but there is also a confirmation of the prophecies concerning the work of Jesus Christ as King and Saviour. It focuses on who Jesus is, what Jesus has accomplished on behalf of the believer, and what Jesus will do in the future. Added to this is the identity and role or roles for the Christian believer. Jesus Christ is introduced as the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. The patches also clearly states what Christ has done for the world, as Christ is described as the one who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood, while the following verses express what the believer is. By virtue of the believer's relationship with Jesus Christ, he made us to be a kingdom, priests serving his God and Father. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, to what extent should our priesthood be informed by the fact that the one who is our king and chief priest was pierced, yet loves and frees by the shedding of blood, the testimony of suffering? How does the piercing or suffering of Christ resonate with the suffering of many in the world, especially the abuse of women and girls? What hope does it give the believer that Christ self-identifies as I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Until Christ returns, Christ demonstrates that all things from the beginning, Alpha to the end, Omega, are under the control of Christ the King. What sort of service is Christ asking of or giving to the believer who has become a member of Christ's kingdom? And again, Revelation it reiterates really what we heard in the passage of John 18, that the kingdom and the dominion of Jesus Christ is not given by this world and that it is a kingdom that would endure forever and ever. It is an eternal kingdom. Christ rules over the kings of this world. This calls us to be aware of the unjust dictates by the system of this world. We can look to Christ the King who was pierced and who calls us to act justly so that we can give a good account on Christ's coming. Thinking about King David and his flaws I shall finish with a story about a Chinese water bearer. Now, a water bearer in China had two large pots, each hung on the end of a pole, which he carried across his neck. One of the pots had a crack in it, while the other pot was perfect, 
and always delivered a full portion of water. At the end of the long walk from the stream to the house, the cracked pot arrived only half full. For a full two years, this went on daily with the bearer delivering only one and a half pots full of water to his house. Of course, the perfect pot was proud of its accomplishment, perfect for which it was made. But the poor cracked pot was ashamed of its own perfections, imperfections and miserable that it was able to accomplish only half of what it had made to do. So after two years of what it perceived to be a bitter failure, it spoke. It spoke to the water bearer one day by the stream. I am ashamed of myself, and because this crack in my side causes water to leak out all the way back to your house. But the bearer said to the pot, did you notice that there were flowers only on your side of the path, but not on the other pot's side? That is because I have always known about your floor, and I planted flower seeds on your side of the path. And every day while we walk back, you've watered them. For two years, I have been able to pick these beautiful flowers to decorate the table. Without you being just the way you are, there would not be this beauty to grace the house. So the moral of this story is that each of us has our own unique flaws. We're all cracked pots. But it's the cracks and flaws we each have that make our lives together so very interesting and rewarding. You've just got to take each person for what they are and look for the good in them.